Hello, I'm Stephanie Ruff. And I'm Aviva Nabeski. We're the hosts of the Dressage Today podcast, where you can find us talking about anything and everything dressage related. Our conversations span the world of dressage from leading riders to local level dressage heroes. We're talking training advice, showing tips, and sharing stories to inspire your own dressage journey. So tune in, then tack up. Welcome to the Dressage Today podcast, sponsored by Collegiate. On today's show, we are joined by Grand Prix competitor Todd Fletrich. Todd has overcome not one, but two life-altering events, a broken back and a major heart attack. There are a lot of people out there who have had significant injuries as a result of a horse accident. Aviva, in our first episode, you mentioned an incident as an event rider that caused you to make the switch to dressage. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I can't say that I was really an event rider. I was still sort of a beginner rider, <laughs> um, but we were jumping a log. So that makes it an event, right? Yes, it does. Absolutely. It wasn't in an arena. It was in a field. So that was cross country. fall down. So I was, <laughs> I was leasing a, a, an Appaloosa, um, a leopard Appaloosa named Chance. And apparently Chance didn't really like the idea of jumping very much. And as we were heading towards this log, and I have to admit that it was probably 12 inches. Um, as we were heading towards it, Chance decided that he didn't want to go over it. And so he stopped. And I, being the brave rider that I was, kicked him. And he just sprung straight up in the air um, like a deer. And he jumped it and I landed on it um, flat on the small of my back and broke my back. Wow. And um, yeah. <laughs> so Todd and I have something in common, but I'm you sure do. that his story is much more interesting <laughs> and probably more dramatic than a 12 inch log in a field. <laughs> so um, what part of your back was broken? Um, I kind of destroyed, um, L four, five and S one. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah, it was bad. Um, I went to the hospital and, you know, it, it was, it was so stereotypic of horse people. Um, and even though I was still very new to riding, I think I had only been riding about two years at that point, I'm lying there in the, in the hospital bed and the orthopedic surgeon comes in to tell me about what I had done and what was going on and what was my first question. How's when my horse? When I start riding again? <laughs> and he looked at me and he shook his head and he said, you're going to be lucky if you ever walk again, let alone ride. Uh, horse people and don't let things like that stop them. No. So um, clearly I proved them wrong because, you know, what is it? Yeah. 30 years later, I'm still riding and um, kind of on the crippled side. And I've done a lot of damage since then that we can talk about at a later date. But yeah, you know, lots of lots of broken bones and lots of damage and all kinds of other stuff. So but we keep on going. And that's what vet wrap and bailing twine are for. Exactly. That's right. Throw in a little duct tape. Don't forget the duct tape. And the duct tape. Exactly. <laughs> how about how about you? What kind of fun stuff have you done to yourself? Well, honestly, I have been knock on wood, throw salt over my shoulder and everything else. I have been very fortunate to never be seriously hurt on with a horse. Um, certainly I've come off, I've gotten sprains and strains and bruises and road rash. And, 
Um, and I've had some pretty potentially really bad accidents that I was very lucky. Like in one case, the horse tripped and fell on his face. I went one way, he flipped over, but he rolled the opposite way. So, you know, so he didn't roll on top of me. You know, I've fallen underneath horses, but you know, and I've seen their feet come down, but they didn't come down on me. They came down right next to me. So I have been super, super fortunate in that I have never been badly hurt. And I hope that trend continues. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I I can tell you one of the scariest things that ever happened to me, you know, it's so funny. We, we get hurt on horses, but we also get hurt in very strange ways around horses. When I was working on my L, I was scribing at a schooling show, a junior young rider show. And, and a, person came down center line and she halt salute and her horse went straight up in the air Mm -hmm. and she fell and the horse took off. And of course, everybody ran to the rider. So I went to the horse and it was a very windy day and he stopped in front of the tent and I reached out with my hand and I got the right rein in my hand and the wind blew and one of the test sheets blew off the table and the horse bolted and right over me and I looked up and all I could see was a big chestnut belly and four shoes and I said this is it this is how I die oh gosh literally ran over me I ended up having to have surgery to um remove a blood clot in my leg wow and I wasn't riding yeah I wasn't riding it's not fair (laughs) that's still a good story though that's that's okay good. good It is good. good. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I can tell you, I, um, I had a couple, it's been a number of years now. I had someone doing some work on my neck, um, body work on my neck. And she said to me, she goes, you have a lot of whip old whiplash. Um, were you in a really bad car accident? And I said, no, I've never been in a car accident, but I've been, you know, tossed off of horses, <laughs> drugged by horses, jerked by horses, you know, run over by everything. I said that that I'm not surprised. So, so I have the whiplash comparison of a bad car accident that was wow. just not, that's been nothing more than cumulative damage by horses. <laughs> And yet we still keep doing it. And we do keep doing it. You know what they say, the, the definition of madness is when you keep doing the same thing over and over again, expecting exactly. a different result. That's right. But no, my worst injury was was when I was 16 and it was not horse related at all. I actually hyperextended my back in a, diving into a swimming pool, which Ooh. messed up my L2, L3, L4, O5 and L5, S1 that to this day has been, you know, it's still is a major issue with me. So, you know, unfortunately not, well, fortunately or not, I don't know, but it's not a riding accident, but I I get to deal with the same back issues that so many of us riders have to deal with. Well, you were very lucky that you came out of that one. Yes. Yes. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's, it happened so long ago that, and we learned to live with these chronic sorts of things that um, we've had for a long time. Yeah, we do. Um, And Todd will be talking about both of his major challenges, and we look forward to hearing his story. But first, before that, we have another question for you, Aviva. Okay. Today's question comes from Diane, 
And Mm -hmm. she asks, how do you really know when you're ready to show at the next level without embarrassing yourself? (laughs) I don't know that I'm the best person to ask that because I (laughs) embarrass myself quite a bit in the show ring. I think we Um, all have once or twice in our, in our uh, competition days. Oh my goodness. Um, It is a really good question though. Um, What I generally say to my students is that most of us, you know, we're, we're not the, the, the Todd's or the Adrian's or the Shannon's, you know, the, the incredible riders that you and I have had the pleasure to talk to over the last couple of months. Um, you know, we're sort of average people and, um, you know, we, we, um, we embarrass ourselves on a regular basis. <laughs> Not on purpose. Not on not on purpose. I mean, we've all done really embarrassing things. Yes, we have. You know, I think I think the answer to that question, I tell my students that I figure we us mere mortals, we probably lose 50% of what we have when we enter at A. Um, you know, we we're nervous, we transmit our nerves to our horses. Um, anything that we don't have. 100% under our belts feel incredibly competent and confident about sort of becomes um, a little tenuous. So what I tell people is um, you're, you know, think about your confidence level. If you're riding at training level and you feel a hundred percent confident at training level, but the idea of making a 15 meter canter circle feels like it's a stretch for you, don't go to first level. If you feel as if a 15 meter canter circle is easy and a 10 meter trot circle is easy, but the idea of getting from center line to the rail in a leg yield is too complicated for you right now, that it's tenuous at best when you're schooling, probably don't do first level test two um, because there's a leg yield in there and you're probably not going to do it very well if you already think you're not gonna do it very well. Um, the other rule of thumb is, um, and I just read a fabulous article, um, that Dressage Today published a few years ago with, um, Cesar Tarrant. And he said, um, basically, um, if you're not getting consistently 65% at the level at which you're currently showing, don't move up. You're not ready. You need to be scoring very, very comfortably in the mid sixties or even the high sixties before you think about moving up the levels. So I think Diane, the answer to your question is also dependent upon what your embarrassment level is. (laughs) You know, um, again, we talked about this a, a, a couple of podcasts ago. If you're going to a schooling show to find out where the holes are, then push the envelope. If you're at a schooling show, push the envelope, try doing a test that you've just been practicing at home and see what falls apart. Um, I find it so interesting that sometimes the things that we think are the hardest for us that we think are going to fall apart in the show ring actually go really well. Um, And it's the other things that fall apart in the show ring that we weren't expecting. So pushing yourself a little bit may embarrass you, but it may also give you some additional information to help you with your schooling. Um, I I talk about the connective tissue of a test. So many people learn the movements of the test. 
and they can do a shoulder in, um, or they can do a leg yield, or they can do a trot lengthening. But what they don't have is the connective tissue, the preparation that you need to do to do that in a test setting. Because riding something at home when you have all the time in the world to prepare and then to bail on the movement if you're not ready and to re-prepare is not at all the same as doing it in the show ring when you got to do it now um, and you don't get a do-over. And, oh, by the way, did I mention that you're nervous? And, oh, by the way, did I mention that for the first time ever you're riding in the rain because you have an indoor arena and when it rains, you go inside, but this show is outside and it's raining and your horse doesn't like it. So, you know, we all embarrass ourselves. Um, It's part of showing my very first ever horse show. My horse spooked at E before we went into the arena and took out the chain of the entire long side and half the short side before the judge rang the bell. Um, and I survived to continue and have another day. So Diane, go out, try it, be brave. You, you know, if nothing else, horses make us humble. They, oh, they do. They always, always do. And, um, Yep, that's that that is very sound <laughs> advice. Once again, Aviva, we appreciate you. your input. And um, if you are listeners have a question about showing or judging, feel free to email me at sruff at equinenetwork.com or reach out on DT's social media. The Collegiate Comfort Tech Bridal Collection has been designed to alleviate and minimize pressure on the sensitive nerves and areas in a horse's face. These nerves are responsible for the horse's senses, motor functions, and contribute to a horse's balance and heart rate. Problems with a horse's nerves may have an effect on the entire horse and overall performance. Each bridle features an ergonomically designed noseband which is shaped to alleviate pressure in the upper jaw and molar teeth, a shaped brow band for comfort, and an anatomically shaped headpiece with double padding over the pole to evenly distribute and minimize pressure. The shaping and padding around the horse's ears allows for maximum movement, while the cheek strap and padded cheek ring prevents and alleviates pressure on the facial nerves. We're dedicated to developing products you need to make the connection with your horse everything you instinctively know it can be. A connection you can feel. Visit CollegiateSaddlery.com to learn more. A native of New Orleans, Todd Fletrich is a veteran competitor and trainer at the FEI levels of dressage. He won individual gold and team silver in the 1991 North American Junior Young Rider Championships. Years later, Fletrich's students won the same competition two years in a row. In 2010, he rode Otto, owned by Cherry Knoll Farm, during the Alltech FEI World Equestrian Games in Lexington, Kentucky. In 2012, Todd qualified with Otto as the alternate of the United States dressage team for the London Olympic Games. From being an Olympic contender to coaching some of the best riders in the world to international success, Fletrich is a veteran of the competition arena and a sought-after trainer and mentor. He resides year-round in Wellington, Florida. Thank you, Todd, so much for joining us today. Um, 
at first I'm curious, how did you get interested in horses and in dressage? I was raised in Louisiana, and um, we moved just outside of New Orleans in Mandeville, Louisiana. Um, and I uh, had a neighbor that was a dressage rider, and her name is Sumalone Casey, and she's actually a judge uh, living in Texas. And she asked me if I would like to work at her farm on the weekends in exchange for lessons. So we started with that. She actually taught me everything from parts of the horse to the tack, how to care for them. Uh, and then the, also the riding part came along. She was a great influence on me. Well, you mentioned her, but along your journey, have you had any mentors or people that really influenced your riding? Well, I'd like, I would say Sumalone Casey absolutely inspired me. First of all, she was a very tiny lady and she had very big horses. And that was impressive. Uh, she was very dedicated and a super teacher. Uh, Robert Dover became my idol because obviously at that time he was riding in the Olympics and he was one of our, our top riders at that time. And, but foremost, foremost is Jessica Ranzahausen. She is a three-time Olympian. She was like, she was not only my mentor, but she was like my mother. She brought me the farthest um, in dressage and really was just, a, is a wonderful lady and very, very um, dedicated to the sport and amazing that in 1960 and 1964, she went to the Olympics and then again in 1988. So she really was my inspiration. So those are some of the people that have influenced you. What about some of the important or influential horses that have been in your life? Who are they? What what were they like or are they like? And why were they influential? Well, one thing I did forget to say about the mentors. There were many others that inspired me. But those are my first three as a, as a, a, a young rider that encouraged me and mentored me and inspired me. Um, my first FEI horse was an Andalusian named Argentino. He was trained by Nuno Oliveira and was owned by Diana Christensen. And Diana had had an accident on him, and she was a little, had a little bit of a fear from him. And he was not a nasty horse or anything. He was actually a wonderful horse. It was just a bad, bad accident, incident. And uh, I finished training him. He was going like third level, and I finished him and brought him to the FEI Young Riders. Uh, happened to be dead last the very first year, but then the next year um, I came back again on a different horse named Arion, which I had also finished. He was also um, finished to the young rider level. Uh, Arion was a Hanoverian cross owned by Lynn and Karen Hurley. Uh, Lynn happened to be very, I was living in Pennsylvania, being a very, um, one of the foundation starters of Devon Horse Show, but I finished, her daughter was riding Arion and doing about third level, so I finished him to the young rider level and brought him to the young riders. The very first year I competed him at the young riders, I won the constellation test, and then the next year I came back and won the whole young riders with him. He was a, a, a wonderful young rider horse. Uh, 
And then from there I had, I did ride a horse that we, uh, a lady, uh, Ann Coffey, bred for me. And it was a son of Orpheus, Jessica's Olympic horse. And his, I, we bred him and I trained him from, from the three years old on up to Grand Prix. And he was a, a wonderful horse, son of Orpheus. And I competed him uh, only a hell of had one year to compete at the Grand Prix level. Unfortunately, he had, had to have some surgeries that kept him from really competing at the big-time level. So um, retired him, retired him, and then moved on to others that I had. But the next most memorable horse was Amadeus. And Amadeus was a coming seven-year-old that Cherry Knoll Farm bought for me to compete. And he was... He did four, like fourth in the Young Horse Championships. We got him, coming seven-year-old, and I did the first year, coming year after that, I did pre-St. George I won, and then went on the following year to Grand Prix. Amadeus was a wonderful horse. He was lovely to ride, very sensitive, um, some outstanding uh, outstanding movements he could perform his special talent was his pirouettes and his changes but then we went on to Amadeus got injured unfortunately after his third or fourth Grand Prix um, in his stall so we tried to bring him back he never came and then we I went to Europe Cherry Knoll Farm was willing to help support me on another horse to we were looking for something young but we came across Otto Otto was raised in Louisiana, owned by a Louisiana person, and trained by Heather Blitz. And I was friends with Heather, Heather and Heather encouraged me to, to purchase him because he was being sold out from under her. And she said, he's really a phenomenal horse. And she talked me into riding him, and I asked Margaret if it was something that we could do because it would get me back into the Grand Prix arena. And she said yes. So we bought him literally as a, a kind of a horse just to get me back in the arena and then he ended up being the most wonderful most talented horse that we, I've had and the most successful I've had uh, Otto went to uh, the World Equestrian Games he competed on the US team for Aachen twice and um, I miss him uh, he's, he's still alive up at the farm in, at, in Pennsylvania but I, I miss him dearly he was a phenomenal horse and I thank Heather, Heather and Margaret for giving me that opportunity yeah, I was going to ask you um, about Otto and, and if he was enjoying his retirement. He doesn't look the same, <laughs> but he does, when I'm in the barn, he does nicker for me. He does remember. <laughs> so what is your favorite part of dressage and, and the sport, and what do you find the most challenging? My favorite part of the sport is it's beautiful to watch. The, and, and I love the relationship between the horse and the rider. Um, and it's also something that you never stop developing, whether you have a new horse or someone shows you. You're, it, it's, it's, a, it's a journey, and you've got to love that journey because you never stop learning, hopefully. And, uh, and, and again, you have different horses that might have um, different issues. So it's the developing process, the journey I love, too most challenging part is again you never stop developing <laughs> and um, you know I, I feel that not 
every horse can do dressage. Dressage is a French word meaning training, but not every horse can do dressage like Otto. I mean, he he was. I had several tens at Piaf at Aachen with him. He was a wonderful horse. So the challenging part is 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 once you've been there, is to try to stay there on the in, in, in the big arena. Uh, I don't think I have to be in the big arena to still enjoy dressage, but I did love that part of it. I do love that part of it, is being in the main arena and, and competing at the, the highest level. Um, so, and it costs a lot of money, and it takes a lot of, a lot of uh, hard work. It sometimes can be very emotional. Horses get injured, riders get injured, um, those things. So, it's a very expensive sport. And speaking of getting injured, you, you've experienced that firsthand, and um, you, you said you broke your back. How did that happen? Well, it was uh, very silly on my part. Um, I was riding a young horse um, that has wonderful temperament, a wonderful temperament, but very large, just under 18 hands. And I had a long rein, and I was walking in the arena, I had just finished working, and a, a bird flew out in front of her face. And she shook her head and kind of turned, and she got her foot, her hind foot, caught in the dressage arena. And then it, it panicked her. And so she started bucking, took off bucking, and I had no reins. And so she threw me, literally, and I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a, not a small person, um, over her and onto the ground. I landed on my back. Uh, I broke two vertebrae, and I actually got up off the ground, dusted myself off, and was more worried about her. I walked over to catch her, and then shortly after, I couldn't. I was in severe pain. Uh, I did not. I thought I just had, uh, you know, just was in shock. You know, I thought that it was just the it, not a concussion, but the, um, wind knocked wind out knocked out of me. There you go. So. Uh, I screamed to the barn because I couldn't walk any further. I was in so much severe pain. So they, my uh, barn manager of the Cherry Knoll Farm rushed me to the hospital. So, And um, I had a procedure done where they put concrete in the vertebrae. Uh, you had to stay awake for the procedure, and it was very painful. But interesting enough, uh, I went back for two weeks later for a checkup. And the doctor says, well, how's your riding going? I said, riding? I said, I mean, I was in such pain still. And he says, well, you're not going to hurt your back because it's, I go, yeah, but I'm in pain because the rest of the body was still in pain from the accident. He says, well, don't worry about riding about hurting that part of your back because it's concrete. It's the only part that's not going to break if you fall down again. So, uh, but it took me. I was, I was in pain for quite a while. I, I started back up uh, swimming in the actually just not swimming, excuse me, in the water, walking in the pool because it was hard to walk. Um, and again, it was more like all the nerve endings were just in the bruising and everything. Um, so and then I started working out of the gym and then I got on um, a quiet a student of my uh, a horse of my students as a quieter horse that I got on first it's very comfortable. But I felt stiff as a board. I felt just uncomfortable. You know, I couldn't relax. It took a little while for that to happen. But, but uh, I, there I was back in the saddle riding again. So it was, it was, 
uh, not a very nice experience, but uh, we've overcome it. How long was it? Um, how long was it before you started riding again? <sighs> Six weeks, and and I didn't really ride. I mean, I just how about I just got on a horse, but. Six weeks, and, and it, it took me probably more like two and a half months to really start to ride ride. Uh, I, I just had so much um, aches and pains after that. Because, you know, you think about it, when they put the concrete in there, everything else, all your other vertebrae moved down, or they moved. So there was, the nerve endings are moved, the moves, you know, so anyway. Did that affect your, how did that affect your mental state? When you started riding again, I must say, I had a little more respect for horses. Um, I I had a little when they one would act up because I wasn't as comfortable, like I wasn't riding my best. I was a little uncomfortable when they would, one would make me spook a little bit and be back before this accident. It wouldn't have bothered me at all, but it did bother me. You know, I really was concerned. I didn't want to fall off again. You know, I did not want to fall off again. So I totally understand when people get develop fear that way. Um, so it took a while for that to go away. So then after your broken back, then you uh, had a heart attack. How far apart were these two events? It's about two years. Uh, and I had um, just coming home from Europe and um, was actually in good physical condition. I was running and exercising, trying to be fit and that. But we had a horrible trip home. It was a long trip, 40 hours on the road. And um, I was a little I was a little pale when I got home. And I thought it was just because it was cold over in Germany and everything. And I was having some little, little cramps and things like that. And I was a little bit clammy at times. And... Um, so I, had, I actually had my heart attack on Sunday morning, my mother's birthday, um, March 22nd. And I, um, I was in bed and actually woke up with a cramp in my, other, my right arm. It had nothing to do with the heart attack, but it startled me. And they, they think that the, the being startled caused, reacted, the heart attack reacted. And um, I actually called the barn and said, I think I'm going to be a little bit late. I don't feel so well. I was just a little nauseous, a little clammy, and, and, and I thought, you know, I just, that I woke up too fast or something. Like, I was a little dizzy from that. I went and rode six horses. It was a Sunday. Came home. Was going to meet friends in, in the city to have uh, a dinner. And then I said, said to my friends, I said, would you mind maybe not going to dinner and bringing me to the hospital? I think, because I got home and I showered, and then I was really dizzy. Got to the hospital. And they, I said that I wasn't right and described some of the symptoms. And they said, um, well, we'll do an EKG. They did EKG, came back. I said, good news, you're not having a heart attack. Good. But we're going to take some blood and things. You can research it a little bit more because you're not, you're not right. They come back about 20 minutes later, half an hour. We were correct. You're not having a heart attack. You had a heart attack earlier today. And thank goodness you came in because you could have had a stroke. And he says uh, the doctor was going out of, out of his, um, they were changing hands, uh, the doctors in the ER. And um, he said, I'll stay and do your procedure. So he 
did put a stent in my uh, one of my arteries, and so I had a proceeded heart there, heart attack. Um, that was my story, my heart attack. <laughs> so how long were you? How did you come back from that? How long were you out of the saddle that time? Unfortunately, it was a, it was about a month, um, and not because I didn't have permission to ride again. Um, uh, I was having issues with all the medication they would put me on. So I don't take medications very well, so they had me on nine different drugs, and um, I had an upset stomach. I didn't feel good. And then it took a little while, when I started to ride again, uh, again, I say I was, I was actually very fit before I had the heart attack. Um, and I was out of wind. I couldn't, I couldn't get my enough air. I was nauseous. And then, um, and I really, I really could only ride my horses. Then I would go home and I would have to take rest a little bit because I didn't feel well. And that took, a, that took several months. And then I actually, a lifesaver was, I went to my cardiologist after he checked, to a checkup and, I told him about the nausea, and he changed my medication and had me take a probiotic, a very good probiotic. And my life changed again, so I felt fairly normal again. Um, I still feel that um, my, when I work out and things, my respiration is not as good as it used to be. Uh, and also, you know, it's kind of fearful because anytime I get a little racing heart or something like that or anything goes wrong I think I'm, 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 I get scared you know you think you're going to have a heart attack again uh, so but um, and they think you know by the way I was um, they feel now that it was a, a blood disorder that I had um, too much iron in my my blood and that causes can cause a heart attack you know, so so these are two major events, uh, physical events that that have happened to you. I mean, ha- have they changed your general outlook on life? And if so, how? Well, one thing I know for sure is anything can happen at any time, and I I don't take things as, for as much for granted. I I certainly I think I love my horses even more. Uh, and the people that have stood by me all these years, uh, I also um, changed my uh, lifestyle a lot. Um, and I maybe you know, like for instance, I downsized on things. I I got rid of. I simplified my life. Let's just say that I started to simplify my life a little bit more, just in case something else could happen. <laughs> I, you know, there's one thing I did want to say that. Um, it, it was about the influencing the uh, instructors and mentors influencing. Um, Margaret Dupre is the owner of Cherry Knoll Farm, and 23 years now she has been uh, supportive of me. And I also, and, and now our, our relationship is probably better than it's ever been. Um, actually, um, she is my grounds person now. And she's very good at it. One, because she has a, has a um, invested interest, um, the horse and me. And she, she's, we've been working together for so many years. She knows how I think. And, um, and she's willing, like I say, to make me fight for it. And it's, 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 I think it's a rare 
situation. Um, I, lo I look forward to the future and I think that she certainly has influenced and made me who I am today. Well, it's great to have somebody like that in your corner then. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. So the last question I have is one that I like to ask everyone just to kind of get their own perspective on it. And it is, what do you think makes a good horse person? A good horse person loves and respects, has respect for the horse, hardworking and dedicated, also very open-minded. And, and there's a difference between a good horse person and a good dressage person, dressage rider. You know, Dressage riders must have humility and ability to, to enjoy the journey and not be discouraged with the small things that go wrong because you never know. Um, life happens. So for me, always having the ability to, to listen to your animals and to respect them is very important. Great. Okay. Well, Todd, once again, I would like to thank you for taking some time out of your day today to ch chat with us. And um, I look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you very much, Stephanie. Thanks again to Todd for speaking with us today. And thanks also to Collegiate, our sponsor for this episode. Thanks for listening to the Dressage Today podcast. If you've missed any episodes or to subscribe, go to Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Learn more and read in-depth training articles at dressagetoday.com, or you can visit our subscription video site, ondemand.dressagetoday.com. Be sure to give us a follow on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Pinterest. Happy riding, and we'll see you at X. The Dressage Today podcast is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of Equine Network, LLC.